Hi, and welcome to the Unlocking Customer Service Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Richmond. I'm here every week talking with guests who can help you realize the full potential of your contact center and customer service team to keep growing your business. Oh, and you can do all of that while still prioritizing your people. In fact, that's the secret to it all. Let's chat with our next guest. All right, let's get started. Uh, Our episode topic today is how remote work can give contact centers more flexibility to hire and keep top talent. Uh, My name is Meg Richmond. I'm with Sharpen. Today, we're here with Kate Browse, Head of Strategic Partnerships for the National Telecommuting Institute. Uh, Kate, can you give us a little description about what you do? Sure. Our nonprofit mission, since we were established in 1995, has been to help the disability community find remote jobs that they can do in their own homes so that they don't have to face the frustrations of dealing with a world that was not set up for the accommodations that they may need. And so we love to talk about the benefits of hiring remote workers, whether they have disabilities or not. It's become a great thing. And COVID-19 has obviously changed the landscape, Meg. So I really look forward to discussing this with you. Well, thank you. Uh, So it seems like uh, the the rush to send everybody home has made people have to do a lot of of decision making and planning. Um, But in all of that it seems like there's been a lot of flexibility uh and we've seen some uh benefits and including lower turnover um but what are some of the benefits that that you have seen across the industry the interesting thing is that time after time study after study has shown that productivity actually creases in the remote environment when people are working at home and this was true even pre-pandemic a lot of organizations didn't trust that or didn't think that it could work for their particular case or business model that most organizations have seen that while they may have scrambled to get their workers home, once they worked out those kinks in the first few days or weeks or months for those who were really unfortunate, most of them have seen that productivity has increased Um, Some of that just has to do with the fact that there tends to be a better work-life balance for agents who are working at home. They can do simple things on their breaks or their lunch uh, half hours or hours, what have you, that make it easier for them to remain working at home. And they aren't dealing with the distractions that may exist at the workplace. All of this can you know, lead to the better retention of the agents, which leads to better outcomes because you are having to constantly train new agents. You are able to keep your seasoned agents that are really good at what they do. And all of that, Meg, leads to just more customer loyalty. So it's this beautiful circle that starts just increasing benefits across the board. Um, So that's some of the really top benefits that are not only for contact centers, but for businesses across all verticals. So really, when everybody rushed to to this model, it seems like uh, you guys already knew it was going to work out for us. We were going to do a good job. Yeah, we actually did. And we had a lot of companies that we had approached in the past about becoming employer partners with us that said, we love your nonprofit mission to train disabled Americans to do these jobs at home. And we would love to support you, but we can't because that model won't work for us. And then they came back to us and said, excuse me, NGI, now that we have this pandemic, can you please you know, help us know how to make this work. And so we were able to share our successes and help other organizations all over the United States 
find ways to make this work better. And we've been able to have more employer partners and help more disabled Americans than ever before, which we think is wonderful. Yeah. Did, did you have a lot of companies coming to you asking uh, for help on how do I find the right people? How do I get them set up? How do I get them what they need to be successful? We absolutely did. And, you know, because we have very deep knowledge in this, we started doing this back in 1995 when no one had actually heard of telecommuting. They're like, telecommuting, we think we know what that is. Now we've been around it so long that telecommuting is kind of not the word people even use anymore. It's now just at homework or remote working model or what have you. And so in that sense, yes, we've been doing it for a long time. Uh, so since you've been doing it so long, have you seen any benefits over uh, hybrid or uh, blended models since it seems like we might be going towards that? Right. Um, and there absolutely can be some of the benefits of that. And what, what we're seeing is that so many companies are planning to now offer workers a choice of either staying at home working in the office or a blend of that hybrid work because those benefits absolutely do translate. So the pandemic has caused what looks to us to be, it's going to be a long-term change in the role of the office worker and the functionality of office space. And companies that are really wanting to understand this are looking towards the future and they're asking, you know, what really is the purpose of the office? Do we need it? Are workers actually more productive at home? And therefore, is coming back to the office not necessary? Um, the thing that really becomes interesting is um, some surveys have been done recently by the Leesman Group. They are an international organization that measures employee experience around the globe. And they have some really great data on this because they've been doing this for a long time surveying office spaces and now comparing that with people who are doing the same work that they used to do in the office in their homes. And they found that 37% of people want to go back zero to one day in the office. 15% want to go back four to five days. And about 50% of us are, you know, in between. We want two or three days in the office and, you know, two or three days at home. And there's an interesting divide there as to which workers want to go back to the office. And most of those that do want to go back, Meg, not surprisingly, are younger people who are starting out their career. And that's because in the office, they feel there's an increased ability to have mentors and career advancement opportunities. So those organizations that can figure out how to provide mentoring remotely and uh, career advancement remotely, they're going to be ahead of the curve at this point and be able to make those blended models or the at-home or in-office models, whatever they're choosing to do, it just needs to be intentional. The organizations need to think about what they want to do and the why behind it and then craft it so that their employees want to stay around. Because the reality is, is that if people like working at home, they will be able to find an organization that will let them do that if they aren't currently with one. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? Uh, how does a how does a manager work to provide that mentorship and that engagement from somebody uh, who they may not ever meet in person? How do how can they cross that that digital divide? 
there are so many different organizations and tools out there that have just, you know, come up out of the woodwork because of COVID. So there's a lot of organizations that are now offering exactly the kind of tools that someone might be looking for. And my best advice is that on that is, you know, if you don't know what's right for your organization, take the time to figure it out. Don't rush into thinking, oh, we know how to do this. The first thing to do is to listen to your employees because they're gonna tell you what they want. And then if you can't provide that solution, go out and find a vendor that can. And if you aren't, don't have the time to do that, then hire a consultant that will be able to help you with that. Because again, going forward, the organizations that will succeed will have done this carefully with intention. So my best advice is listen to your employees and take the time you need to get it right on the first try, because these are not necessarily inexpensive solutions to implement. And what does that look like for someone on the other end? What does that look like for an agent? Um, you know, how are we supporting their success? How are we keeping them trained? Um, how does a manager uh, communicate with an agent, keep them feeling involved, but also giving them the information they need to be successful without, without giving them uh, too much of that micromanagement feel that I think a lot of people worry about in this kind of working environment? I love that you just said, you know, that micromanagement feel, because that's exactly what I um, really passionately preach against. I'd love to get up on my soapbox and say, one of the really important things to do is to make sure that you empower your agents, but you cannot empower your agents if they don't, if you don't provide agents with the tools necessary. From a contact center, you know, standpoint, that really means they just need to have a good database and good ways to navigate around it and back and forth into your different systems. There's some, there's been some really interesting research that has shown that most organizations do not utilize the systems that they have in place well. So some different solutions may have only five different things that you can do within it, and some may have 29. But if it only has five, you're probably only using one functionality. And if it has 29, you're probably only using nine. And so it's really important for organizations to understand the functionality of the solutions that they're using and to make sure that they are using that to their best advantage. So I always say, go back to your vendors and say, what functionalities are we not using? If you look at the tools you already have in place, you likely have some of that right there. So it's about training your agents on the tools that you already have available. And sometimes that means creating management organizations and trainings so that they know what's there so that the managers and supervisors can say to the agents, hey, did you know we have this functionality of chat that we didn't even know came with the solution? Have we seen a lot of changes in the industry just over a short period of time? Has it been more releasing new things or has it been a lot of training customers on, hey, our product has this and has had it the whole time? There's been a lot of innovation as far as different technologies that have have vamped up or revamped because of COVID. But so the, the, the answer to your question is yes to both of those. Yes, we have seen new solutions and new technology. And yes, we have seen lots of organizations that have realized the functionality exists within this solution that I have. I just wasn't utilizing it well. When, when new solutions are implemented in contact centers, it becomes really easy to go, oh, these are the three easiest ones that provide the thing that we need right now and the rest of it kind of gets shifted and we see time after time that organizations then go wait i need a solution for something else in reality it's already provided so again just 
look at the, the different functionality. And if it means going back to your solution providers and saying, can you please give us in-depth training and, or can you provide us video recordings that will allow our agents to understand? Solution providers have that stuff at their fingertips, most of them. They are not going to say, oh no, we don't wanna do that because they want you to use their solutions. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think one thing that we haven't really touched on, but I think probably you've prob seen a shift in the industry is the amount of technology it takes to make these accessible for a huge range of people. I think it's, that's gone down dramatically, I would think. Yes, the same technology can be used for more people. So it's it's the scaling of technology has has gone very well over overall. It in the beginning it was a scramble, but now people are like, yeah, we've got this. Because mm -hmm. I remember, you know, in the in the two thousands, if you had a, a laptop that you could take home, it might not have done everything that your work computer could do. And I think we're seeing nowadays that that people's personal computers are the same as their work computers. You know, the the technology stack of of hardware has completely fundamentally changed how easy it is for people to access these solutions. It absolutely has. And it's become really easy for, for solution providers and contact centers and what have you to have everything available on, you know, a remote desktop, which also helps with security issues and, you know, virtual private networks, the VPNs. And so all of those different solutions rolled into one makes it really easy for agents who are working at home. They can have the exact same desktop in the office as they pull up at home, which is that, you know, scalability and ease of switching back and forth, which when we go back to those hybrid models, when some agents are going to choose to work in their contact centers a couple days a work week or at home a couple days a week, that will make that 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 uh, experience absolutely seamless. And that's really what it is going to be about going forward is what is your employee experience like? And for those who want to move back and forth from the in that hybrid model, is that going to be seamless or are they going to get really frustrated, jump ship and go to another organization that's done it better? And so contact centers are really gonna have to think about that. If you offer that hybrid model, it has to be seamless and there has to be a reason to want to go back to home or back to the office if that's going to be something that they offer. So you think that this is a, a permanent shift in the shape of work? Like from now on, people are going to expect uh, to be able to be at least hybrid? at least hybrid. I think we'll see some organizations that say we are going to stay 100% remote. And there will be some that say we're going to be 100% in office. But because the expectation has been, I'm going to be able to stay home and work, people will say, hey, if, if, if I did that during COVID, why can't I do that now? Right? And so the expectation is there. They said for a long time for people with disabilities, I'm so sorry, we can't allow you the accommodation of working at home. The disability community heard that over and over. And now they, they're just like, hey, you guys, we told you this all along that this wasn't a big deal. Why did you make it a big deal? Well, now it won't just be people within the disability community. It will be every employee that had the opportunity to work at home. So if you don't require that forward facing role of you're there in person meeting the needs of a customer or a client, why would you not be able to work at home? Mm -hmm. So is this shift going to be able to really expand the possibilities to the disability community? Absolutely. The, that is the silver lining to this COVID cloud that we have seen at NTI is that ability for people with disabilities to say, hey, we need the simple accommodation of working at home. That has opened up doors all around the globe. And that's exciting.
mm -hmm. I'm interested to hear uh, maybe some anecdotes or stories about how you've heard the remote workforce working. Like how do managers chat or check in or how do agents make sure that they have all the information they need? Um, what have you seen, you know, trends or changes or even some some gaps in what we have out there? I think the organizations who are doing this well have been very clear to their employees about where to go to find needed information. So let's say that you have your great knowledge base and your agents know how to use it and then they can't find it. Then the employees have said, okay, when you're in that position, this is what the next step is. And they're very clear about it. And they're very clear about communication channels. They might say, if it's something that you need to communicate with and you need an answer right now, you send it in a chat communication. If it's something that can be dealt with at the end of the day, you send it in an email communication. It's just as simple as being very specific and intentional and spelling it out for the frontline contact center agents, the managers, all the way up to the C-suite that everyone has the same expectation of this is how we communicate different types of communication. I've seen a lot of different um, ways of staying engaged. Some supervisors or managers may say, we're gonna have a stand-up meeting every, every morning for the first 10 minutes. And that's how we're going to stay engaged. I've seen others that have set up quote unquote office hours. So on Fridays, they may say, okay, anyone who has any questions or concerns can, you know, pop in and chat with me from, you know, eight to 12 on Fridays. Some make that anonymous. Some make that so that it's scheduled. There's so many different ways to do it. But I think organizations that are doing it well provide several different channels to do that. So you may have a supervisor team meeting every every day of the week you may know that your manager is available to speak with every friday from eight to noon and you may know that there's some place to leave an anonymous suggestion or complaint for those who don't feel comfortable going to their direct reports to say hey this is working well or hey this needs improvement so really engagement is about communication through whatever channels people feel comfortable it's less about engagement right now than it is moving towards employee experience. So engagement, you measure engagement by what your agents are putting out. How effective are they using, how effectively are they using the tools and the time that they have available during their shifts? Employee experience is about how effective are we being as an organization providing those tools and connectivity. And so yes, the communication is how we have that connectedness to each other, whether it's a chat, an email, a phone call, a video chat, all of those are about being connected. And so that employee experience, when you define that and you say, hey, we're going to have this stand-up meeting and it's gonna be you know, the first 10 minutes of every day where we're going to be on camera so we can see each other and feel connected, that's employee experience, not employee engagement. Mm -hmm. So if they if these managers are working hard to, to make this connection, um, ultimately the contact center exists to serve a purpose. So we have to measure productivity at some in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but what does that look like in this new era where everybody's working differently? You can't say you know the number of people that come through the door times the number of sales is productivity. It's so different now. So how do we measure? productivity in a fully engaged workforce if everybody is uh, doing the best they can. <laughs> and that is the, the, the million dollar question, isn't it? 
Um, and that's something that each organization right now is defining a little bit differently. It's been really interesting to hear how some organizations have just thrown handle time out the window. I've seen so many different people say, you know what, we are not currently measuring average handle time because we want to have it be about um, the customer experience. And if you're trying to rush your agents off the phone right now, what they're customers are needing is to feel connected to other people when they're being allowed to engage with those people and talk to them and chat about, hey, I hear a dog barking in the background. I have a dog too. It may take an extra few seconds to get those people you know, on and off the calls, but then you're increasing the experience factor on both sides, which leads to employee retention. So how do you measure that? Well, right now, a lot of companies aren't bothering to measure the metrics. They're just saying, do we have customer loyalty? And if you have customer loyalty, then your metrics are heading in the right direction, whether you're measuring them or not. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So our, our agents, have you heard our agents finding that kind of work, this, you know, these kind of real connections more fulfilling? Absolutely. And more organizations are offering that brand ambassador type of job rather than the just get us on the phone, get us off the phone, answer a call, wrap it, you know, answer the next one. So those organizations that are allowing a little bit more human connection to come out of that that is really increasing the employee satisfaction. And it's also a function of the fact that it's become easier for people to find answers to those simple questions, where when you have online information, when you have chatbots who can direct you to the correct information for those simple questions, the calls that agents are taking are by default then the ones that are a little bit more involved or the ones who somebody seriously wants that human interaction. They don't want to be rushed off the phone. Mm -hmm. So how would a supervisor then quantify that kind of interaction to maybe a C-suite or somebody, you know, with budget concerns? How do we say our customers are happier, our, our employees are happier, you know, where's the bottom line proving that? And that again, that, that is a really important question, but it's really about telling a story. If you just bring the data, it, you can you can bring the data to the C-suite and they can just look at it and go, well, okay, what does that mean? So you have to be able to craft the story and the data is a part of that story. So you need to say, look, this is what our agents are experiencing. This is what our customers are experiencing. This is what the data says. And this is how it translates to increase revenue on our bottom line. And if you're not connecting all of those dots to take a story to the C-suite, then you're risking the fact that when you take this information to the C-suite and you say, hey, we want to extend our average handle time from, you know, 60 seconds to 90 seconds. And they're going to say, what? Are you kidding me? We can't afford to do that. But when you create the storyline so that they understand this isn't just an ask, this is the reason why. And this is, you know, an example of something that one of our clients experienced and one of our customers said that makes the difference really about crafting that story, which is what you also want to do for your agents is craft them, give them the ability to craft that story and to share their successful stories. Mm -hmm. So since a lot of contact center supervisors are probably seeing this, this shift in the work, uh, what kind of recommendations and advice would you have for people wanting to add more remote workers or train their current remote workers better? I guess, how, how do they start getting better? 
You know, the thing about hiring remotely is that you are opening up a huge talent pool. So even if you are only an employer of record in one state, instead of hiring people who now live in, you know, a commuting distance, you can hire anyone who lives in that state. If you're an organization who hires nationally, now you can hire a huge talent pool. And so the the t problem becomes not how do I find you know, a good agent, but how do I find the best one out of the, you know, 2000 people who applied for this job? And it can be really overwhelming. So again, when you are deciding that you're going to open up your job to have a larger talent pool, it helps to already have strategy in place for we are expecting to have X number of people apply for X number of jobs. So if you're hiring one agent and you have 2000 people apply, that becomes overwhelming. So you need to be careful of where you're advertising, but you also need to be able to have some tools in place. Well, and there's a lot of online tools and job boards and job search engines and all of those things that offer a lot of pre-screening tools so that the people that you're seeing are already the best fit. But then the easy thing to do is to have the interviews done remotely and talk to your agents on camera remotely when you're hiring them. And if they're comfortable chatting, like you and I are right now, then they're probably going to be very good on the phones and very good on their jobs. If they are uncomfortable, then you're going to know right away this isn't probably going to be the best fit for this particular job. Mm -hmm. So once you find the people you want, uh, how do you train them? I know we talked a little bit about video, but uh, you know some of the platforms or even the products these people might be supporting might have a huge amount of information. How do we keep uh, keep our agents trained? That's a good question. And, and that's one that we get at NTI a lot. We have a really great internal training team that uses a lot of different approaches for training. And I think that is the key, is there need to be a lot of different approaches. You can't just throw somebody a video course that they are to watch and then you say, okay, you're now trained. You can't just say, okay, you're going to shadow online one of our seasoned contact center agents and then we're going to expect there needs to be a blended training approach and so the the problem only becomes is making sure that your agents know how to ask for that help when it's needed and making sure they're comfortable and that's about making sure that you have that good communication like we said again you need to define for your agents how do you communicate what type of things and where. So agents know I'm having a problem right now. This is where I need to go right now, this instant to help get help. Mm -hmm. And it seems like, you know, with the trends and reporting and all of this, if, if they have what they need, they can get the answer faster, which gives them more time to spend learning about the customer and what they need and, uh, you know, making a good connection there. A very valid point. Yes, Meg. So you mentioned that the training had been a little bit of a, uh, not a roadblock, but a hiccup with, you know, people learning how to do this remotely uh, and making sure everybody has what they need. Uh, are there any other setbacks that, that you found and how, how did we get past them? Um, I think the biggest setback overall that we have seen across organizations and verticals is just that connection to your colleagues. You, you know, there's, you're not going into the break room and having your drink um, and your morning coffee with people and to discuss what did we watch on Netflix last night. So that kind of thing is again, something that organizations need to be cognizant of and set intentional 
ways to overcome, but there are lots of different ways to engage. I heard of one company who decided that they were going to engage their employees by sending out little snack packs to everybody. So, you know, instead of going to the snack cart, everyone would get a snack pack. So the snack pack comes, they open it up, and then they heard some really varied feedback. And one mother said to them, you know what? This was really uncool because I have three kids at home and I had one six pack of Oreos that we had to share with all of us and there just wasn't enough to go around, right? And so the company thought about that. She shared it. So there was, was this open feedback kind of organization. She felt comfortable and they listened to her. And so the next time there was an employee engagement engagement thing sent out, they made sure that they knew how many people are in the household, adults and children, and we're going to not only send something for our employee, but we're going to send something for every additional person in the household. Now that is a stellar organization. That is an organization that is helping their employees stay connected. And that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. It's acknowledging that the employees, even though you're working at home, you still live there and you have a life uh, alongside your computer and it is difficult to extricate the two of them sometimes and so we just have to acknowledge that they have to work together right you know it, it isn't hard it's not rocket science you just have to think about it for a second i mean what a great idea to send something fun to every employee who can fault the organization for not stopping to think how many kids does this particular person have living at home that are at, at not able to be at school right now so that they're there when you know their their caretaker their aunt their mom whoever it is opens up this package and how wonderful that the employee knew that she could go to the organization and say mm -hmm. hey this is my feedback and then listen yeah, it's, it's making the connection to your employees as people and understanding what they need to succeed exactly and when they have that then they feel connected to the organization they feel a sense of pride in what they're doing. They're able to make a difference in the lives of the people that they are talking to on the phone and they have you know, a better work-life balance and then they have better employee retention. And now you're, the cost of running your contact center has just dropped drastically all because you were willing to front, take the upfront cost of making sure that you had that connectivity to your employees and you listened to them and that's, that's really, you know, what I come back to over and over in my soapbox is empower your agents and the, re the way that they know that they're empowered is when you they know that you're listening. So when they come to you with a suggestion, they know that it was received. It's not just, okay, here's an anonymous tip, which is great. Some people don't feel comfortable, but when people are able to say, this is my suggestion and management says, thank you for your suggestion. This is why we didn't listen. Thank you for your suggestion. This is why we did listen. Mm -hmm. acknowledging that is is a lot it's, it's a lot of importance in fact we just we uh, had an, an company-wide meeting last month at nti where they presented us some interesting statistics about organizations that were good at what they did and one of the things that was the biggest um, driver of innovation and success and employee experience was those organizations who could have employees offer suggestions and they had a ridiculous amount of suggestions like per employee per year like i want to say it was like 143 suggestions that employees would offer throughout the year and that's what they were encouraging us to do at nti mm -hmm. so you just listed off a huge a huge list of benefits 
for having remote workers. So what what else can you say to someone who's still skeptical of adding remote workers? Get on board. <laughs> um, the, the, the data is out there. The results of survey after survey are out there, even more because of COVID, but even pre-COVID. And that work-life balance is something that is so important. Now, employee engagement and experience is not going to be the same for everyone. There are workers who are not going to have a positive experience working at home, no matter what you do. On the opposite side of the coin, there are some employees that are going to have a miserable experience in the office, no matter what you do. So there is no panacea, there is no one size fits all. But if we are talking overall, in the overall landscape, overall, people have had a more positive experience working at home than they have working in the office. And this is this is um, information that the Leesman Group has discovered with their most recent round of surveys. I attended a seminar a couple of weeks ago and that was what they said. I, I believe the number was 76% of at-home workers say that they had a more positive experience working at home than in the office. And this is kind of scary because they're working at home, which was not designed for working. It was designed mm -hmm. for living. Whereas the mm -hmm. office spaces where they were working were designed to be a working space. It also tells us something about what organizations who want to be successful as workers go back to the office or the contact center, what they need to do. Because the expectation is going to be, if I'm going to go back to the office, if you're going to require me to be there, then it needs to be as good or better than what I was experiencing at home. Again, otherwise, they're going to leave the organizations because there will be plenty of organizations who will allow fully remote or a hybrid model for those who choose to do so. And, and for those who can't, those organizations who are ready for this, they're going to see phenomenal agent retention. And for those who aren't ready for this, they're going to be scrambling to keep up and to remain valid as, as options. And, and um, they're going to find it difficult to maintain good agents and their experience because the agents will go elsewhere for the same or better experience. Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned, if, if, uh, that you don't have a position for someone remotely, someone else does. It, it's true. It used to be that, you know, if I if I didn't like working at my local Panera Bread, I could go get a job at Starbucks, right? Mm -hmm. Really similar skill set. If I like one I, 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 or I don't like one, I can move to another. It's going to be the exact same thing in the remote model. Mm -hmm. So the, the people with the skills are out there. You just have to make your workplace attractive to get them. Yes, ma'am. Well, we're right at time. Is there anything else you want to touch on? So I always like to plug that NTI has trained agents with disabilities. And, you know, whether you're hiring somebody that is a disabled American who has completed NTI's training or not, the reality is that people with disabilities make really great employees. People who have disabilities bring unique skills to the workplace. And especially when we're talking about contact center agents, people who have disabilities tend to have more empathy than most because they've learned to live with a disability. And that has made them empathetic. It, it teaches them to be creative. It teaches them to think outside the box. And they've had to learn to self-advocate. We've all heard stories of people who had some sort of health issue or disability. They know their bodies. They understand what's going on. But they may even have to be, you know, advocate to their own doctors and family members to say, hey, look, this is really what's going on with me. This is what I need. 
And so they've had to learn to use their voice. All of these different skills that people with disabilities have had to learn just to survive tend to make them really good contact center agents for those that want to do that work. And those are the kind of people that come to us at NTI that complete our training process and that then we are able to help our employer partners hire. And so there are so many wonderful things about hiring disabled individuals. Again, whether it's through NTI or just out there in the world and in your brick and mortar organizations and stores, Hiring somebody with a disability is going to, you know, lead to inclusion, which is always a good thing. This was so interesting. And I hadn't really thought about the the expansion of the workforce pool like this, or even, you know, the, I, I guess I hadn't thought about it too with the, with the times, how, you know, people have, I can only work these hours, but now we're expanding, you know, say you have different time zones, different countries even. Right. I didn't even mention all, all those benefits that come. Mm -hmm. There's a huge move to be more like the gig economy. There's a lot of contact centers that are saying, we will let you sign up for micro shifts or split shifts. And they've had to do this because they have, you know, parents who are also homeschooling their children and dealing with all these other pressures. And so, you know, they may say, okay, I'm going to work, you know, from six to eight in the morning, and then my kids get up. And I'm going to be able to, I have to homeschool them. And then I can work again from six in the evening when my husband is available until, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And they're allowing their agents to sign up for these types of things or the micro shifts to say, I'm going to work a half hour here and a half hour there. And those, again, lead to that overall employee experience. I, I really think we're getting away again from that engagement. It's about the experience of having that at-home work. And it's all beautiful because organizations who are doing that are seeing the benefits. Well, this was fantastic. I really appreciate you, your ma'am. time. All right. Thank you. All right. That's a wrap on today's episode of Unlocking Customer Service. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or Google Play to get notifications when new episodes drop each week. Or head to sharpencx.com podcast to catch up on all the latest episodes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review so we can reach more people like you.